0: Hello and welcome to the Growth Mindset Podcast, where we turn your brain from a seedling to a fully grown tree with just a few episodes. I'm your host, Lava Dishad, and I'll be a personal gardener as we dig up all limiting beliefs and plan new empowering ones. Our podcast covers almost everything you need to know about personal, professional, financial, and spiritual growth. Each episode features successful leaders who will share their stories and strategies to transform you into your best self. So grab your watering can and hit that subscribe button. Let's get growing.
1: So uh, firstly, do you even need to do it or not? So for, uh, let's get to that answer and then I'll tell you how you can. So as a beginner, I'm, not, I'm talking about just starting off with investing when you have 20, 30 years remaining and things like that. Uh, what is more important is to look at the big picture, the act of saving or the act of, you know, uh, spending less and saving more. That is going to make a way more difference, bigger difference than is US fund better than India fund or, you know, some other country going to be better than India and all that. So that difference is very, very small. Like, for example, the same example that I gave about going to another city, right? Uh, stressing about what color car should I choose, you know, to drive to get to my destination makes no sense, right? Uh, end of the day, you're going to get there. So equity around the world generally averages out. as long as it's a growing economy, you're going to participate in that economy and only it's, it's a coin toss as to which country is going to do better than another country in the long run. So as a beginner, I wouldn't really even worry about oh I have to invest into foreign equity to get this sometimes investing in the country where your goals are and your life is is also majority should be here because it's all tied to the current local inflation and things like that and the exchange rate impact and all that does not come into play right first of all you don't have to does not mean you should not um you can of course there's nothing wrong with this it's been shown with data that you're not going to preferably get a better return by doing that so for example, let's say you get in India, historically, like say in, in in Indian mutual funds or Indian stock market has given fifteen percent return over the last twenty years on an average per year. In the US, it's about seven to eight percent, right? But you'll say, okay, then why would anybody invest in the US, right? Then India is better. You're getting fifteen percent here, but that's where inflation and exchange rate comes in, right? So you getting seven percent over there, ten years, fifteen years ago, exchange was forty rupees. Today it's about eighty rupees. So although your money is only growing at 7 or 8% there, because of the exchange rate impact, your actual returns will work out to be close to what India is only giving you in any way. So data has shown that, yeah, you may get lucky over short periods, but in the long run, they all average out to be the same in returns. Why you should diversify is not for returns, it's for risk mitigation. So, uh, one country you never, for example, people who invested in who are staying in uh, Sri Lanka, for example, right? They went through hell over the last few months over there, right? Everything fell apart. Everything was totally lost. So, in a situation like that, if you had investments abroad or if you had some other country exposure, then you benefit out of that risk mitigation, right? But again, if you ask me, will that happen to India? Uh, it's we, we're still far away from that that kind of a crash or anything so some exposure abroad is okay i wouldn't stress about you know you have to do it otherwise your plan is not right it's not like that at all and today there are so many ways in which you can do it so now let me get to the point of how you can do this if you still want to do it you can same platforms that i just mentioned uh, five minutes ago they offer uh, to invest into the uh, you know foreign stocks directly and etfs and things like that uh, there's also a website called vested in India, they specialize only in foreign stocks over there. So there are many ways in which you can invest through foreign stock if you really want to. Uh, and there are options for that. Taxation may be another issue because they are not taxed like Indian mutual funds. They're taxed actually more uh, in the sense they are taxed like a debt fund. So taxes a little bit more. So even if you have a slight benefit in return, you may lose it out on the taxes. You may. Okay, and these are all unknowns, right? So that's why I would say, as a beginner, don't worry about this, right? It's not a big deal. Start saving more, investing more, uh, the one percent different on difference in your return over the next five years is not going to make a big difference but you saving that extra one percent from your cash flow is going to make a much bigger difference
0: yeah, right yeah. so
1: don't focus on that small you know difference between countries and you know, that's almost nothing as a beginner at least
0: okay no that makes sense because yeah I see why you're saying that right because now we're not only focusing getting lost in growing the money but also understanding are we even saving so that it can be invested in our financial yeah. final goals are being met now, when we talk about investing, let's say, uh, uh, there are different asset classes that you mentioned at the beginning, commodities, equities. How how should we diverse this? Like, Even if it's yeah. a beginner, what should be the probability of how much percentage you should go where and there? Yeah.
1: So this is where a risk profile also comes in, right? So the first thing we have to look at is, how comfortable comfortable is that person even taking risk? So even a young person they can say okay i can take on a lot of risk right uh, that's fine some people even young people are not comfortable with taking risk so it's so your risk uh, profile meaning that how comfortable are you with seeing your money go up and down is one thing the other thing is the timeline you have for that goal so let's say a goal is 2 years away it doesn't matter how much of a risk taker are you you are you should keep it into safer investments more into debt investments because you need the money in the short term anything can happen to stock markets over a 2 year period but if you're talking about 10 years 15 years of investments then major portion of your uh, investments can be into equity because that's a longer time to average out. So there is no right answer or wrong answer like saying, oh, young person means you have to have 60% equity, 40% debt. It all comes down to goals again. And right? this is where goals come in. If your goal is short term, you have to have more into debt, less into equity. If your goal is long term, you can have more into equity, less into debt. That's the basic rule that we apply.
0: So no, I-, I love what you just mentioned, right? Because I know a lot of people uh, have also... I mean, it's, it's not wrong per se, because obviously everyone's uh, idea and explanation is based on the kind of experiences we've had, the kind of uh, environment we are in and and what kind of returns at all the market and the personal life experience and so on. But but yeah, judging, a, I, I've personally seen a couple of times, a lot of my followers, people that listen to the podcast also uh, have read The Intelligent Investor, right? So they, they want to invest intelligent yep. investor which i think it's okay but but we also need to take into account where you are at the moment because the countries are different the way things work are different so we yeah. need to keep it more in line that's why the the intent of of these interviews is to ensure that there is more awareness spread in india because in the us if you go or any other countries where a good chunk of uh all of this is going there it makes sense but what about india right now i want to ask since this this topic came up You've been in Canada. You've seen the markets. Have you seen any differences between how the market operates or how people are planning their uh, investment, their goals, financial goals in other countries versus in India? And and do do you think that we are in a better spot? Can we do better than what they are doing?
1: Sure. So yeah, um, financial planning is financial planning no matter where a person is, right? So goals are goals. Everyone has goals. Even if you're in Canada or the US, we have personal goals we want to achieve. So, uh, ninety-five percent of what I do, there's actually not much of it. It's only the currency that is different, right, between over there and here. But when it comes to products, yeah, there are some slight differences in what options do you have. But end of the day, equity is again equity, debt is again debt. So, for example, locally in Canada, if you want to invest into a debt investment, you'd probably get about two percent return. That's okay because your inflation is two percent. You're getting two percent return there. It's like you're getting seven percent or six percent in India. Equity generally gives you about say double of inflation over there, right? So basic concept is the same everywhere. Um, So when it comes to financial planning, there's not much of a difference. It is just that there, there is a social system that they have where you get a pension after you retire from the government, even if you didn't work in a government job. So there's something called as a Canada pension plan where they pay out to all old people, irrespective of you working or not working or all that. So their retirement plan, some people, even if they don't have a retirement plan, they can live at least a basic life over there. We don't have all that in India. I wish that changes in the future we're still a long way away from such government big programs. We have to take care of at least the lowest uh, income earners first before we can talk about the higher earners, right? So those things are definitely something we can improve on. But I think when it comes to the structure
0: and the product idea of what we're trying to do, it's the same no matter where you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I think you're right. Uh, When when you talk about, you know, there are so many things we, uh, obviously the government, if can actually add something like how you just mentioned for canada i think that would really be helpful for a lot of old folks but yeah because at the moment in india we don't have something like this which gives us more the reasons around why retirement planning is important for us yeah because uh, because we can't rely on someone else Correct. saving us at when when our time comes and there's something which is eventually supposed to come right and why are we delay delaying it in the first place after 20 30 years it's like you know you seeing that there is a truck that is coming but uh, you know and, and literally trying to cut people into pieces and you are maybe in distance but you're like you know what i still have time but when yep. that truck is slowly approaching there will come a time where you might not have yep. invested and then you feel oh my god like where yep. am i right now right So it's very important exactly. to for us to spread that starting. awareness and people start early exactly and- starting early is the most important thing absolutely if I can ask you, like, what do you think is the overall economy for, because I, I'm not sure of this, because uh, I tried finding this, but I couldn't. Uh, only thing I could understand was uh, in the overall world economy, right, uh, in, in terms of equities and stocks, uh, US kind of contributes 49%. I'm not sure if that figure is right. But uh, and emerging markets like India, UK, Europe, uh, they kind of contribute to around 16 and 17% and so on. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. Do you have an understanding around how much are the world economy is driven by what kind of countries?
1: Yeah, I don't have the exact numbers. Yeah, but absolutely, I see. US is the biggest economy in the world by far. So they are the biggest. So they are going to have the biggest chunk of the global uh, GDP, right? And that's the number. Next comes China. And then, of course, India comes fifth and things like that. So uh, but just because they are the biggest economy, of course, that is a great thing. And, uh, you know, most of the big names in the, in the world, the top 500 companies in the world, 300, I think, are in uh, in the US alone, right? So um, they have built it over years and hats off to them to have such a big economy and uh, sustainable. They keep coming up with innovations consistently. So that's all good. But it does not mean other countries can't grow, right? So when it comes to the investment side, you don't have to invest only into the US to get that, right? For example, you can tell the opposite. They've grown enough, right? Or they may still grow, people are lower, have a much bigger opportunity to grow. And so the growth opportunities are more in countries like this. this is something you can also look at that way, right? So just because they're the biggest, does not mean you have to invest there is the point, right? So that's, that's important to understand.
0: Agreed, right? Uh, that's why I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Because yeah, that countries and we've seen, right, if you go to the history, you, you you pick up history books, there has been changes every couple of hundred years, right? The The superpowers right. change. Sometimes right. it's England, sometimes it's, uh, that multiple countries that were changing their power so right now it's us but who knows maybe after a couple of 100 years it could be yeah. something else now since we are talking about retirement planning one thing that comes to mind and this why i'm asking this is because obviously i have a lot of listeners who are young and who are working class professionals right mm-hmm. so There is already a section available today where people can say, which is EPF, right? Uh, Where employees uh, specific amount typically goes into EPF and then that compounds, it, it, it can give you retirement. Can you give people an understanding or an idea around how can investing in PF actually can help them better? And how can this add value for the retirement plan? What we can do to maximize those, that's first. And then second connecting question to this is, how is EPF giving us these returns? Because I know EPF kind of gives seven to eight percent every year, but uh, you know, where is that money from you know the PF accounts? Are where are they being in? Because end of the they're also being invested somewhere, right? So where are they investing? Is it like index funds, mutual funds? Can you give us your thoughts there? So yeah. So firstly, there is a difference between EPF and
1: PPF, right? So um, EPF is what is through your employer. It starts with E. So that's where employer provident fund. So most companies in the country, if you're having over 20 employees, it's mandatory to actually, uh, there's some exceptions, but mostly you have to be registered. So percentage of your salary goes into the PF account of the government, right? So they keep accumulating that money. You contribute certain 12%, They co- employer contributes 12% and in the end that keeps accumulating and you can take it out in the end. Where is this invested? First of all, this is a government guaranteed program, right? So this is not like you're taking risk or anything like this. You're actually giving it to the government. And Technically, I mean, if you compare Sri Lankan government, it's different, but at least Indian government is, is a safe government, obviously. So they actually declare an interest every year. For example, the latest interest is about 8.1%. It used to be 8.5. Now it's 8.1. Um, but that's a guaranteed return. They announce it, you get that interest. So where they invest the money, they lose the money. Don't lose the money is secondary because this is not like a mutual fund investment where it's tied to some product. It's guaranteed by the government. But where they invest is, of course, uh, they have to invest it somewhere. Uh, as of the latest information, I think about eighty-five percent of that is invested into bonds, like you know government bonds and uh, corporate bonds and things like that. And fifteen percent of that, roughly, I think, is into some form of equity investing through uh, ETFs and things like that. So they participate in the market, a very small amount though, fifteen percent, but still uh that's the i think the latest number that is not a given tomorrow they can decide no we don't want to invest anything in equity that doesn't matter to us right? that is a, a headache of the pf uh, the government pf department to take care of that money but yeah that's a guarantee program ppf is also similar to this but it's not through the employer this is something you do outside your employer but the maximum that you can invest is 1.5 lakhs per year and that has a 15 year lock in once you open the account you can keep investing one point five lakhs per year. They give a similar interest, a little less than eight point one, but uh, it's for fifteen years. And after fifteen years, it'll mature, and you can take out the money. So that's
0: different from EPF. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, so I want to cover both. So EPF now, when we say seven to uh, eight percent, and again it fluctuates every year, right? They 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 come up and they basically let us know whatever the percentage is. So, like, what what can Employees do to maximize this, right? Because certain times, as you mentioned, twelve percent is given by uh, employees, and then twelve percent is contributed by the employer. But I guess there is also a specific amount, right? That you can—that's the maximum for which it is not taxed. So, what is that amount, and can people invest more, like by talking to the company, and then how can we maximize? Yeah. So, yeah. Firstly, this is the basic, and then you want to. There is something called as
1: VPF, Volunteer Voluntary Pension Fund, uh, which is basically. Beyond this 12% plus 12%, you can choose to add more if you want to up to I think about 100% of your basic amount you can match and you can put it Um, so that gets deducted from your salary and goes into your PF account. So that also has the same benefits, right? Goes into your PF account and they keep growing that money and giving you this interest. Um, But just last year, they came up with this rule that your contribution beyond 2.5 lakhs per year. That is beyond 2.5 lakhs if you contribute anything more. The interest that you earn on that money is going to be taxable. That's a new rule that came about. Now, should a person maximize it just because they can? Again, this is where goals come in, right? There's no straightforward answer to this. So let's say a young person who's starting off to invest and their employer is providing them this option to invest into PF. Let's say you maximize everything. So you don't have any take-home. They're basically, all your money is going into PF. You have a plan to buy a car next year or you want to you know, buy a house three years from now, five years from now then you can't even take out that money, right? So again, this is where goals come in. If you have a goal that is needed to be funded in the short term, PF is a good investment as a debt investment for the long term. It does not mean it's good for a three-year goal or a two-year goal. So again, if you don't have any goals, you've taken care of all your goals, and then you're investing only for your retirement. And in that also, you have to understand for my retirement goal, how much should be into safe debt investments, how much should be into equity. And within that debt investment component of that retirement bucket, you can put into PF. If you, if you keep putting everything into PF, then you won't have money to put into equity then, right? So again, this is where that balance also comes in. So it's not just, just because you can put into PF, it does not mean you always have to put into PF. It has to suit your plan and your goals, right? That's what is more important.
0: Yeah, you, you're spot on, right? And also it's about diversifying that way. We're also diversifying our investment portfolio so that we're not putting all our eggs in one, ba- uh, in one basket. Uh, the second portion to it, and this is something which I have not, uh, uh, I don't know much about. So I, I'm pretty interested to know this. And I'm I'm loving the conversation that we're having so far because you're spreading so much information out and I'm sure people that are going to be listening to us will also find a lot of value. When we talk about PPF, Public Provident yep. Fund, right? I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're investing, like you said the maximum limit is 1.5 years, 1.5 lakh every uh, oh, yeah. year uh, and the lock-in period is 15 years. Okay. So let's say if I invest, I'm 30 now. So if I invest in PPF, first thing, can I, can I mention that in my tax so that I can save taxes on that? Is that possible? Or second, can i also instead of saying 15 years if when i when i get the money whatever money is compounded over the years is that taxed afterwards or is that not taxed how does that yeah. work
1: so ppf is considered a as a technical term triple e basically basically it's called exempt 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 so basically uh, the money that you're putting in right the, the 1.5 lakhs that you're putting in will qualify for this ATC benefit, I don't know, uh, most people may know this. So in your salary, you can, or your income, you can deduct the first 1.5 lakhs as taxable income. It's called ATC benefit. Now, there are many investments that you can make to qualify for this 1.5 lakhs. PF itself is one, PPF is one. Then even the school fees that you pay for a child is there, your uh, principal on the home loan, all this qualifies for that ATC benefit. So yeah, if you have room available for that, and you contribute into, uh, you know, P- PPF, you qualify. So you basically end up saving tax that you should have paid on that 1.5 lakhs. number one. Now, Number two, whatever interest you've earned within those 15 years, and it's compounding and growing over those 15 years, when you take it out in the end, it's 100% tax free, absolutely 100% tax free. So it's one of the best tax nice. uh, free investments. But yeah, you have to keep it locked in for 15 years. Again, this is where goals come in, where if you have a goal that's 15 years or more, it makes sense to do that also as part of your debt component, that goal. Mm. Now, you can't stop putting
0: into equity Hello. and do this, but part of your debt component. Yeah. I love that because I did not know that it is purely tax free. So that's, that's a, a good thing to know. And is it only 50 years or 15 years, or can we also do 20, 25, 30? PPF, uh, you have the option
1: after the 15 year point to renew it for another five years, right? So you can roll it over. So if you say, I don't need this money right now, I want to continue, it's a very good benefit because the whole amount that you've earned will grow for another five years compounding with compounding. no tax for the next which is oh. very very good things right so given a choice yeah if you don't have any other goals the person should roll it over absolutely it's one of the best debt investment products out there
0: yeah makes sense makes sense and and if someone wants to go ahead and invest in ppf what's the process there like
1: see today it's quite simple earlier you have to go to the sometimes even only post office and open even today you can go to the post office to open but now most banks offer it even i open my account online on HDFC website itself so you can open your accounts mo- in most banks just online in just a click away. So it's very, very simple to open a PPF account. You can transfer money into the account just like you're transferring to another account on your net banking itself. So it's quite simple to do. Yeah. Okay. You can only have if, one PPF account.
0: Uh, we can only on have one. one. Okay. Correct. So if I do it from HDFC, are they going to charge any middleman uh, no, charges no, no, or something? No, no, right? no, no, yeah, no. Because I think that's very important for people to kind of understand. That's that's one awareness that I want to spread. Like you know, Be aware yeah. of what you're paying to... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyone uh, for that yeah, matter? Yeah. yeah, okay. No,
1: HDFC or any bank for that matter. PPF, there's no commissions involved or anything like that. You can open the account
0: anywhere. Okay. And there's one other section, right? Like EPF and PPF, there's one, another thing called as NPS, right? NPS, correct. What exactly is that? Can you give uh, people an idea on those as well? Sure.
1: So that is another retirement uh, program uh, by the government again. But this is a little different in the sense it's not guaranteed where there's no set interest rate that they give you or anything. Um, so here what happens is you can invest in this and you get an additional tax benefit. And there are two types of NPS. One is corporate NPS and one is personal NPS, but I'll just go with the basic one now. Um, so if you invest to 50,000 more, you can actually deduct from your income. So I told, I spoke about that 1.5 lakhs, right? In addition to that, another 50,000, it's called ATCCD. That's the section that they use in taxes. That's another 50,000 of deduction that you can claim by adding into NPS account, right? So first of all, you get a tax benefit on investing 50,000. But it's different in the sense that It is not tax-free 100% like a PPF or a PF. So first of all, there's no guaranteed return in that. You have to choose within the NPS account what investments you want to make. So there are three options that they give you. Uh, There's equity, there is uh, government bonds, and corporate bonds. So just like you're putting into a mutual fund, you're choosing what kind of mutual fund. Think of it like almost like a mutual fund within the NPS account where you have to choose what you want to invest in. Now, if the market goes down, You will see your money going down. NPS also can go negative, unlike PF and PPF. This can actually go negative temporarily. Of course, if investing for the long term, it's not a problem because it'll eventually generally go up. So, this is almost like you're taking up the risk. There's no government guarantee, there's nothing like that. You are assuming the risk, and based on how the market performs or how your investment that you chose performs, you will get the return. But another major difference is when you take out what happens. First of all, this is locked in up to age 60. Okay. So, PPF, as I told you, is 15 years. EPF, which is through your employer, is until you're employed. So, let's say you leave your job. Two months after that, you can actually take out of your PF account. Ideally, we don't recommend it, but you can. But NPS is up to 60. It's locked in. Only Mm. after 60, you have the choice of taking out. Now, at 60, also, it's not completely tax-free. 60% Mm. of that money that you've accumulated, you can take it out tax-free. Again, this is the current rule. They keep changing NPS rules every three years, and it's so confusing. Uh, But the current rule is that 60% of that you can take out tax-free. And 40% of that, you have to convert it to something called as an annuity, which is you start getting a pension kind of a payout from an insurance company, right? Lifelong and things like that. So that amount that you get paid out from that insurance company may be taxable to you hmm. based on your tax bracket. So it's not 100% tax-free like a PF or PPF. There may be some tax that you end up paying. So it's in that sense, it's very different from PF and PPF. Yeah.
0: Got it. Wow, this, this is an amazing information. Uh, I think uh, I, I also personally did not know this in detail, which is amazing. Now, you spoke about annuities, right? So can you give people an idea as to what these annuities are? And and this is something which kind of gives you money after you've retired every month, which can help the old folks when people yep. are. So how does that work? So annuity, yeah, it's, it's, it's simple in terms of, you know, how you can get it
1: and how it works. But yeah, should you do it or not is a different story altogether. Um, So firstly, an annuity is, yeah, you have a lump sum, let's say you have 10 lakhs, just as an example. You give it to an insurance company and say, okay, here's my 10 lakhs. I want you to break this down into a certain monthly amount and give it to me for a certain number of years. Now, it is like a reverse uh, FD. Like in an FD, you're accumulating money and at the end it builds up and then you take out the money. Here, you're actually giving the money and then taking out little by little for your retirement needs. Right? So it's a mm-hmm. monthly payout. Now, there are many types of annuities, right? So they're, they're structured. It they can be a 10-year annuity. So you can say, "I want to pay out every, I want you to pay out everything in 10 years to me. You can say it's a lifelong annuity. So they take on the risk. So if the guy lives only for one year, they have to pay only for one year. If the guy lives for up to 800, that means for 40 years, they'll have to pay out no matter how much this guy paid. So if they agree to that lifelong annuity, it means that they have to pay lifelong. So the insurance company assumes that risk. So based on what you choose, how much you will get every month is also calculated. It's all a complicated, uh, you know, insurance calculation. But yeah, the idea is you give a lump sum and you ask them, I want a regular monthly income coming in. Please give
0: it to me like that. That's, that's the
1: concept. Okay. Of an annuity.
0: So basically if someone is supposed to give a lump sum amount and then, uh, they, they break it down into years and then basically give, it's not like something you invest in a small chunks and then that rolls over. No, no. So annuity is generally,
1: uh, you have the lump sum already, but you want them to start giving you little by little because they don't know how to invest the money on their own. Correct. Uh, if you if you know how to invest on your own, maybe you can do a better job than annuity, right? Mm-hmm. So generally, annuity returns are just okay. It's not great. yeah. Um, but the person who has no clue how to invest their money, for example, a retired person, they're worried, right? They don't know how to manage their money. Annuity is perfectly fine. In that sense, you know, uh, they have some guarantee. They know so they have peace of mind. That's also important in personal finance, right? So it makes sense Correct.
0: for some people. It does not mean it's good for everyone. Correct. And for people that have a large chunk of money, and they don't know what to do with with that, and maybe for them, it will be helpful. Now for people, let's say like that, who might be listening here and thinking about annuities, uh, and they have a large lump sum of money. are, Are there any specific ones that are good, like the insurance companies or some banks who provides them? Almost all insurance companies provide
1: um, annuities.
0: Um, Yeah, It's all
1: based on like, you know, you can get a quote and see which is working out to be better for you because um, LIC may be offering a little lesser for the same amount that you're paying because it's much more uh, safe, right? So of course, uh, people prefer LIC even though they may be providing you a little lesser uh, pension because they have the peace of mind, right? So again, it's all uh, out there. As long as it's a big name, a big company, it's absolutely fine.
0: Correct. So since we're talking about LIC here, uh, one thing I wanted to get your idea uh, or your thoughts was also on life insurances, right? Uh, a lot of, I know people that are young, uh, they kind of push this aside saying life insurance, we well, are very, very young to kind of even think about it. But what is, what is your thought on people uh, getting life insurance? And if they should, uh, what type of life insurance do you think kind of makes sense, which is also not charging a lot of amount in fees and sure. so on?
1: So, yeah, life insurance is one of the key um, aspects in personal finance because it acts as the risk mitigator to your overall plan, right? So, again, it's very important to understand what is the purpose of life insurance. Just people run around and get some insurance and say, I also have insurance. That's, That's not right, right? So, the purpose of life insurance is, let's say the earning member, he's expected to earn for the next 20 years, 25 years, and suddenly something happens to him and he's no longer there, family would not get an income right? So what happens then? What, what would they do for their expenses? What would they do for their goals and things like everything falls apart, right? So that's the concept of life insurance. We have to calculate properly to say, okay, if if this person has to earn for 20 years, and suddenly he's no longer there, what is the amount that the family should get? So we can replace that cash flow. So at least financially, there is no impact on the family. That's how we calculate life insurance. And when you have to get that life insurance, it's very important to get it as a term insurance. So in life insurance, there are two types. One is the pure term insurance, which is only protection. There's others are called endowment policies. And this is the typical LIC policies and all that that you get where uh, you pay a lot for even a 5 lakh cover policy. People actually need in crores term insurance cover to replace an earning member for, you know, uh, 10 years or 15 years, you need one two three crores sometimes. But LIC policies are 5 lakhs and you end up paying 50, 70,000 for a LIC policy because 90% of that payment that you're making to LIC is not actually for the actual insurance cover. It's for an investment that you're paying. They're paying you back with peanuts in the end when it matures. <laughs> right? So Degree. you should never mix investments and insurance. Always keep insurance as pure insurance. And it should be generally a pure term insurance. And people think, okay, one crore, two crore, what well, sounds big, right? But you, you know how much it costs for a 25-year or a 30-year-old guy Getting an insurance term insurance for, let's say, for 20 years or 25 years, it costs about 1,000, 2,000 rupees for a 2 crore policy.
0: Wow. I'm
1: talking about monthly, right? Wow. The funny thing or the sad thing is most families pay more for car insurance than life insurance. Okay. A family can be without a car. They cannot be without an income. It's one of the most important parts of the financial planning exercise that we do. Again, it's not about just having insurance saying I also have insurance. It's about having the right amount and for the right duration so that you protect your family. That has to be calculated with logic, not just blindly throwing a number out and say I have 1 crore cover. That's that's very important.
0: Wow. I mean, I, I love the explanation that you just provided, uh, Vikram. I mean, this is something which is which was very important and the way you have compared uh, term insurance versus LIC and you not know, dissecting like, you know, why why this versus this? Because what's your goal? I mean, try to identify, right? It's a money back or do we actually want to cover that, which which kind of makes more sense? Um, I want to ask you something, which obviously is a little off topic here, but I want to get your opinion on that. Are there any myths that you think exist in, in this financial planning also, along with any investments that you'd like to burst that people might not know in India? Because I know yeah. I'm in this industry uh, where I talk to a lot of people. Uh, there, there are so many things that people are promoting. They're listening to so uh, social media influencers and and we need to think like even if someone is promoting let's say for example social media uh, uh influencer is trying to promote something he's promoting because or she's promoting because there is some uh you know promotion that he's getting there is some in- involvement where he's getting paid for promoting that specific so and so right so I want to make people more aware around you know what are some myths that you've seen that media and everyone else promoting that people should be aware of and become more active
1: sure, yeah, it's a very important question that you asked right see just like in any other ind- any others, um, you know, uh, sector also, if you look at the finances, 90-95% of what you hear out there is just noise. Okay, We get carried away by all this noise and all this unnecessary uh, things when we forget the basics. Right? It's like, as I said, right? It's, it's not important what car you drive. It's about how you're having a plan to get there. Right? So these are all the basics. You, one plus one is two. You start saving more, you'll achieve your goals faster. Um, so these are all the basic things that you have to learn I would, I generally say, see, it's not about, you know, going and learning the best thing. What is more important is to know what to not learn, what to not get influenced by. That is more important than actually uh, taking things online, right? So very, very important to know what to avoid. So always, when in doubt, go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. There's always something interesting. See, Mm -hmm. young people, especially these days are excited. They want excitement everywhere. They want excitement in investments. Uh, They want to look at it every day and see something. But you don't need excitement to succeed financially in life. You don't need to, trust me. And the best way is to have it passively. It should be an afterthought. You have a plan, you put it on autopilot. You focus on what you're good at. You're good at what you do in your service, your your job. You focus on that, you earn more. That is going to make a bigger difference than getting extra 1% because some guy told you something somewhere. And I generally say investments should be like, you know, uh, watching a tree grow. Uh, You have a plan, you plant a seed, right? It's boring for you to go and look at it. Investment should be boring, right? You look at the tree every day, it's nothing. You won't even see it growing every day. But over 10, 15 years, you'll see it has grown to a massive tree. And then it starts giving you fruits that will help you lifelong. But that watering that you need to do to take care of the tree, you make sure somebody, some uh, animal doesn't eat the tree, You know, some cow doesn't eat the tree, is something you need to do in the early stages. And those are the basics that you need to focus on right? So that's very, very important. The second thing is as beginners, especially right in personal finance, because of so much of noise, they always want the most complicated thing. First of all, keep it simple. But I also say avoiding mistakes is more important than making great moves, right? See, there is a saying, right? See, in expert tennis, right? In tennis, uh, pro tennis, 80% of the points are actually won because the player played a very good shot that the other guy couldn't even reach the ball because of the talent of the guy, right? So that's pro tennis in amateur tennis or younger tennis, 80% of the points are lost, meaning that it was an unforced error, right? You didn't even hit the ball back into the court or, you know, that was an error that you made. So beginners should focus on avoiding making mistakes, not making great moves. Experts will make the great moves. So focus on the basics, focus on not making mistakes rather than making, trying to get the best product out there, the latest product like crypto and things like that. Now you see what's happening to crypto, right? So when you see, uh, you know, every second ad on IPL matches is about crypto. You know, there's something wrong, right? Uh, that it's a hype. It's a, it's a thing. And now you see what's happening to crypto. Again, I have nothing against blockchain as a technology, but this fad alone, crypto, and everybody making easy money and all that. So don't fall for these things. Focus on the basics. Have a plan. Just stick to it. That's the best thing that you can do for your long-term finances.
0: Yeah, man, I, I really love what you, how how you just explain this because I think a lot of lot of time uh, we are doing this because. Uh, psychologically we want to you know we want that urge we want that yeah. that excitement and exactly. because of which we, we get into this stock markets we get into this cryptos because there is that 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 thrill that you get but as you said you know when it comes to investing it shouldn't be like that it should be like you know yeah. you plant your seeds and then you move out you just water it and and then you know you don't don't go into your screen don't look at a portfolio every yeah. day yeah. to see how it's growing right you don't need <laughs> to yeah okay. <laughs> exactly okay that makes sense now for people, let's say for beginners who want to start off early to kind of educate themselves, I think this episode would definitely help them with a lot of basic information that they should be knowing. But uh, let's say if they also have to, they want to dive a little more further, are there any books or uh, seminars or uh, that you would recommend? Let's say first, any three books that you think will give people a good perspective on how to invest and any other information that you think that can help them uh, understand? Sure, sure.
1: Yeah. So um, again, I'm not very good with uh, recommending books, but um, the basic things that a person wants to get started, obviously there's a basic book, like, you know, rich dad, poor dad, it's a very simple book that anybody can read, any young person can read and have the basic concept of how money works and how you create wealth in the long run and things like that. If you want a little bit more complicated, obviously, to understand how the stock markets are and all that, you can go to an intelligent investor. Is one, one A Random Walk Down Wall Street is another um, book. Um, so these are all basic books. But I think today reading a book is a big thing for a lot of people. That's a lot of time and commitment. You can also read blogs, right? There are so many good blogs. Um, Blogs that I, a lot of my clients also follow when they come to me is called Free Fin Cal. Um, It's it's a blog written by a a professor, uh, Patabi in in Chennai. He's an IIT professor, but he writes a finance blog. Um, That's a huge uh, you know blog. It has thousands and thousands of followers, and it's one of the biggest communities. Um, So yeah, you read blogs like that, you get basic knowledge about personal finance and the theories and the concepts around uh, personal finance. Um, And yeah, of course, as I said, don't fall for these latest fads always go towards the basics, right? So when you, when you understand the basics, well, uh, you make better decisions, right? That's, that's the more important thing. here.
0: Yeah. Oh, makes sense. And you, you too write blogs, right? So how can people read your blogs when you're writing them? Um, I actually don't write blogs on my website. Uh, not
1: much. I usually write on other and for example, I've written on FreefinCal and um, those guest blogs, of course, I've the links of that in my website, uh, in the about page. Uh, I'm not, to, uh, I mean, I don't write too many blogs, but yeah, I, um, the, the few that I've written, uh,
0: the links of that is in the website. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to include them on the uh, episode details so that people can even go ahead and review those blogs. Okay. Now I know we are coming to the end of our conversation, but there are a, a few questions or maybe a few short sure. questions that I'd just like to get your thoughts on. Um, And these are related to tax. We, we, we did touch upon it and your answers may seem a little on the, on the same lines, but maybe if you can get a little more specific there, I think that would really help. Now, there were a couple of sections that we spoke about, ATC, ATCCC. I'm not sure if there are any other areas where people can save money, but uh, is there any way people can become more tax efficient uh, in terms of, uh, you know, saving some money and kind of claiming that as well uh, for working class professionals?
1: Sure. So for working people, okay, so just a, a disclaimer first, I'm, I'm not a CA, so I, you, there may be things that CA may know in your scenario, which maybe more than what I know. But again, I'm just talking about the general stuff here. Um, uh, so when it comes to a, an employed person, a salaried person, there's only so much we can do to be honest when it comes to taxes. So, as I said, ATC, ATCCB are the two basic things. Then you also have ATD, which is basically the insurance premiums that you're paying on your health insurance and all that. You can claim it under that. Um, apart from this, as a salaried person, you can either claim HRA. So if you're renting a house, uh, and you have, uh, you know, a rent that you're paying, Based on your tax structure and all that, you can also claim that. That's the only other way. Or if you have your own house, then the interest that you pay on the home loan will also deductible. So it's either HRA or the interest on the home loan is what you can deduct in addition to these basic ATC, ATT and things like that. So these are the basic things and there's not much more as a a business person. It's a totally different ballgame altogether. They can write off a lot of expenses and things like that. But here it's just these handful of things that you can look at as a salaried person.
0: Is there any other ways that we we did not discuss uh, when it comes to investing in a tax deferred way? Because end of the day, right, uh, as I mentioned, when when we were talking in the middle, we spoke about uh, even your taxing. If you're managing these funds actively, we're investing and we're actively changing this. Obviously, there are tax portions that account to it. So any other decisions that you think people should take when it comes to investing so that they're more tax efficient as well?
1: Yeah, so what I spoke about so far was just the income, the salary that you're getting, how can you reduce the tax on that, right? But when you make an investment also, the returns that you get on that is also taxable in a certain way, right? So you should also pay attention to how to reduce tax in that. So uh, what you need to understand is there are, of course, many options to invest, but let's take the basic three examples, right? FD, for example. FD is taxable, the interest that you earn on the FD is taxable based on your tax bracket. So if you're in a 30% tax bracket, whatever interest you earn, you end up losing 30% on that as taxes. So that's not good, right? Hence, we look at options of debt mutual funds, which are similar to FDs in safety. Again, not all debt funds are the same, but some of them are similar to FDs, but their taxation is way smaller if you hold it for more than three years, sometimes even zero or uh, very small compared to inflation and all that. So uh, this is a basic idea of how you can avoid the same return, the same risk that you get on the similar kind of a product, but you can pay lesser tax by choosing another product. Right, that uh, end up paying lesser tax. When okay, it comes so- to equity, it's the same, right? It's no matter how uh, how you invest, whatever profit you make. And if you've exceeded one year, right? It's called long-term capital gains. You end up paying 10% tax on it flat. Um, uh, yeah. So when we're making an investment choice also, we make sure it's a little bit tax optimized. We choose, for example, debt funds
0: over FDs for that specific reason that I told you. So that also you should pay attention. Mm, makes sense. So, when you said debt funds, uh, I'm assuming you're talking about that EPF and PPF that we were talking about. No, no, no. So, EPF okay. and PPF is separate. Uh, so, when you take mutual funds
1: itself, right, there are so many different kinds and uh, categories of mutual funds. Broadly, there are two there is equity funds. Basically, what that means is you're putting money there and they're investing into the stock markets. There okay. is also debt funds, or it's also called bond funds. They invest into bonds. Bonds are almost like FDs from the government or the companies. Mm they give you a fixed interest rate kind of a thing, but debt funds all invest in those kinds of bonds. And the return that you get typically in a bond fund is similar to an FD kind of a return. Uh, it doesn't behave like an equity fund where suddenly it goes up 20%, suddenly it goes down 20%. That does not happen generally in a debt fund. Again, there are many categories of debt funds. I would not get into that. So uh, a debt fund is also a mutual fund, right? But they have nothing to do with the stock market. So a lot of people who hear the word mutual fund always relate to the stock market. It's not mm. half the mutual funds have nothing to do with the stock market, which are called bond or debt mutual funds. That is what we invest in in place of FDs uh, for mm. saving taxes.
0: Okay, makes sense. And and what are these? So if someone wants to invest in these debt funds and uh, the ones that we spoke about bonds and what was the other one? Equity funds. Bond Equity funds. fund and bond funds, right? Yeah. So yeah. which are these? So if someone wants to invest, what are those products that people can go ahead and find?
1: These are nothing but mutual funds, right? So there are about 25-30 different companies that offer like, for example, Aditya Billa Mutual Fund, HDFC Mutual Fund. So everyone offers and there are literally thousands of mutual funds in that half of them are equity funds, half of them are debt funds, roughly speaking, right? All these can be got on platforms that I mentioned earlier. Um, You can buy any mutual fund you want. Now, of course, I can't give a list of funds right now because there are some good funds uh, that you can invest in. But uh, the point is that you, you can find any mutual fund in the country you want to invest in and invest through
0: platforms like that. It's very, very simple to invest. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Makes sense. So I think, you know, I, I've asked a lot of questions that typically uh, I got from my listeners and questions that I had on my mind. Uh, but is there anything that you think uh, you or I've missed asking that is important for the people to know with regards to financial planning as a whole? or uh, investment planning, anything that we might have missed that I don't know because you are an expert, you know better. Sure. So yeah, what
1: we've spoken about today is all the basics and you know what a person would like to know to get started off with this. But the holy grail of financial planning is something we call as financial freedom. Um, so let me explain that. People have fancy words today called FIRE and things like that, financial independence, uh, retirement early, and a lot of things. But the idea, the concept is the same. So the concept is, see, today you're still dependent as a young person, you're still dependent on your job. Let's say you lose your job tomorrow. You're stressed. You don't know what tomorrow, What? where do I pay my rent or where do I uh, find money to spend, uh, spend for my food and bills and things like that, right? So what drives us to earn money is two things. One is fear, fear that you don't have money to take care of your basic necessities and desire because you want a better car, a better house. And things. these are the two things that push you every morning to get up and do some work. Now you can have two types of income, right? You can have an active income or you can have a passive income, right? So active income is something you have to get up in the morning and do something about it. It could be a business, it could be a job, but you have to get up and do something about it to earn that money. Whereas passive income is things that you don't have to do. Even if you sleep at home all day, you'll get that income. For example, rental income is one, or you have a big enough portfolio, it'll give you an interest or a dividend income from it and all that, right? So that's a passive income. You don't have to put your sweat into earning that income. So financial freedom comes when your passive income the the income that you don't need to get up in the morning and do anything about is enough to take care of your fears. And the reason you should get up in the morning and go to work should never be for your fears anymore, but only for your desires. That's the magic time when you achieve pure financial freedom. And this has nothing to do with age. You can achieve this at age 30 if if you start early and doing something about it. Some people who don't understand this don't achieve it even at age 70 or 80. They have a lot of money, but they still stressed. They don't know tomorrow morning if I don't get up and work at 70 age, I, my tomorrow my expenses are not uh, taken care of. So this is not about the quantum of money you have. Of course, you need money to set up this passive income, but having this understanding will help you move in that direction sooner so you can achieve financial freedom. And that's why we hate to use the word retirement, right? Retirement is, it has a bad connotation to meaning that I'll sit at home and do nothing. It's not about that. Once you achieve financial freedom, you have the option to work versus having to work. That's what that's the difference we're talking about here. And that has nothing to do with age. So that's a very important concept that people should understand and try to achieve as soon as possible. So that, and this comes from having a proper clarity and proper plan and not just blindly investing and getting best returns. The returns mean nothing uh, when you don't have a plan. So that's the main thing. So focus on financial freedom, understand the big picture. That's what is really, really important.
0: Man, I mean, what do I say? I think this, is, this has been a, a very important conversation, I would say, uh, that I also personally had because there are so many things that we've touched upon, not only in terms of financials, but also, as you mentioned, financial freedom, right? It's more like, you know, we either take this, make our decisions based on the the pleasure that we get or the pain that we typically have, right? One of the the two reasons is why we do something. And I've liked how you went behind the psychology of stuff. Why? Because end of the day, based on this, right? Even let's say someone may have a lot of money, but they might not be uh, satisfied, right? Because yep. that's where the, the freedom comes in. So are you free to do exactly what you want rather than just having money and still you're not happy? And I know a lot of people that have a lot of money, yep. but but are not happy. So I think this ties back to, to the same thing, right? Like we also becoming aware, taking a holistic picture and yeah, money is an important part of life, but it is not everything, right? So we need to, exactly. because when you, said, when you said that word, right, right? When even after you're 60 or 70, you don't have to go to work because you want to, you know, get the food on the table, but because you want to do it. That's a very powerful thing, right? Then because when you're doing something that you really want to do, you'll actually be happy. And then science proves this because I've done interviews with uh, psychologists. I've I've interviewed multiple people and they talk about this. So I just want to tie this piece back to for, for the listeners to kind of understand that what you've mentioned is also a very important part of of the conversation that that is where we yeah. actually find true fulfillment, not only in making money, but also understanding the psychology behind behind it, also contributing it back because science confirms yeah. that the more you give is, you know, we actually feel more happy as well. Yeah. And yeah, money, we often forget money is only a
1: tool, right? It's, it's not, uh, it's not the end game, right? You can have all the money in the world and still not sleep peacefully at night. But the moment you realize it is only a tool to get me something in life, then you know how to use it. So if you don't know how to control that money, it will control you. Right? You're <laughs> never at peace, right? So that is why you need to understand where is money in my life, right? Don't mm. let it dominate you. You need money. Yes, of course, you need to save, you need to invest, you need to grow your money so that you have that financial freedom, but don't let it, you know, run amok and, uh, you know, control you. That's the difference we're talking about.
0: Here. True, true. And, and I understand as well, right? Like why people, when people say money is important and then they really want, end of the day, it's not money that we want because it's just a piece of paper. Right? Exactly. End of the day, what we are really chasing for are the emotions. The exactly. the freedom that we would feel by having that money, because then you can do what you actually want to do, travel the world, spend time with your family, maybe buy this, buy that, whatever. But it's the emotions yeah. that we're after, not exactly that piece of paper that we want. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Vikram, uh, I mean, thank you so much, man, for taking your time out okay. and joining us on the show. This was wonderful. Before we uh, end the conversation, how can people reach out to you when they want to talk more or want to get your advice? How can they reach out to you?
1: So yeah, I have my website uh, for my service that I offer, of course, it's called www.insightful.in. Um, my whole history, my whole journey, my whole uh, the services, everything that I do is right there. So yeah, I would encourage people to take a look at that if you're interested in reaching out to me. And uh, yeah, um, I'm not too active on social media, unfortunately. Uh, I try to stay away because there's just too much of noise out there. But uh, yeah, all the information that you need to know is definitely on the, um, the, the website. Awesome.
0: So thank you so much for joining us on the show, Vikram. Perfect. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Great talking to you. This brings us to the end of this episode and hope you at least had one takeaway from this interview. If you have any questions or want to talk to me personally, you can find me at www.silavatirshad.com. See you soon.